for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. So Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd. Your host, welcome to the show. It is 7.07 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, February 13, 2021. Hope you guys are up and at them, stretching, stretching those arms, stretching those legs, getting out and getting going this morning. It is a cold, wet, rainy Saturday morning, but uh, we're going to have a good show here for you today here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Again, I'm Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, Attorneys at Law. I'm your host for this excursion into broadcast excellence. Welcome to the show. Broadcast excellence, coffee brewing excellence. Uh, We're all about striving for excellence. At Saturday Morning Coffee, we invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee, and join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the insanity in the crazy world around us today. All the things that we think you need to know here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we are all about limited constitutional government and <laughs> pipe dream of pipe dreams, lower <laughs> taxes, because that means more freedom for you and me, all of us who are we the people. You know, we can still we can always hope, Glenn. We can yeah. always hope. Yeah. Uh, we invite you to settle in with that cup of your favorite coffee. And a newspaper, if you have one, and, and join us as we help you get your Saturday morning going. As always, joined here in the studio by producer extraordinaire Dr. Glenn Dye. Morning, it's, Reese, morning Reese Boyd. It's, uh, it's Glenn Dye, the radio guy. How are yeah, you, sir? Yeah, Glenn Dye, the radio guy and the weather guy. 38 degrees yeah. right now. Uh, you, you like rain? Guess what? 100% rain today and tomorrow, a high of only 45, 46 degrees today and tomorrow. Now, now I have not checked the seasonal data, but it just feels wet. Am oh, I, it's been terrible. I've been, I just, I am, I have never been more ready for summer. Yep. I, I just, I'm ready for sun and sand and, and no rain. Well, out of the rest of the week, um, Monday we go down to only 40% chance of rain. Tuesday, back up to 60. Wednesday, they're saying zero, but you know we're on the coast. That can change. Thursday, back up to 60. Then Friday, back down to zero. And I think this weekend coming, or the following week, next weekend, we're getting more rain. Yeah. Welcome to Seattle. Welcome to Seattle. It is, uh, we're sleepless in Seattle. And I I didn't sleep that well last night. And I am not drinking Seattle's best coffee this morning. Not Seattle's best? Still Honduras. Honduras. Yes. You know, I was on the program with Liz yesterday, and she was uh, telling me how much she and Javi are enjoying their Atlas coffee. So, um, Mm. and by the way, this morning, I am, you know, we had uh, Tim McGinnis, Representative Tim McGinnis from the famous Toastery on the show last week, and he shared with us some Lavasa coffee, Mm -hmm. and it was, I had never had, uh, not knowingly, I hadn't, I had never, I probably had had it before, just didn't know what I was drinking, um, but so I'm drinking this morning uh, Lavasa coffee. So uh, it is outstanding. Oh, yeah. I'm, I am really enjoying uh, the Lavasa coffee. So thank you, Tim. 
And uh, you guys can get your own cup of Lavasa coffee over at the uh, famous toastery over in Carolina Forest and chat with Tim and tell him you heard about it on Saturday morning coffee. So had a good time with Tim last week, and uh, we've got uh, a lot coming up on the show today. Big show for you. We invite you guys uh, to join in the program. You can always tell us what you're drinking uh, this morning. We uh, have, of course, uh, calls. Your calls are welcome at 843-903-2945. You can also text your coffee preference du jour to us or other comments to the PCRXcomputers.com text line. That number is 843-798-TALK. And for those of you out in Swansea, that's 843-798-8255. That's the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Yes, you can still tweet your comments to me, I suppose, much as I don't like to admit it. I have Twitter. I still have my Twitter account. Twitter handle is at Reese Boyd. And if Parler is ever back online, we'll start giving you that account. By the way, uh, speaking of uh, tech censorship, I uh, want to encourage you guys to try out the Telegram app. That's a new app that I've been uh, experimenting with. It's a messaging app, so it's totally secure. And uh, you can delete yourself at any time. Your data is not shared. It's not sold. And this is not a paid endorsement. Obviously, I'm just telling you about my experience on Telegram. But you can search for Reese Boyd on Telegram and chat with me. So be curious how many of you are using uh, Telegram and how many of you are still using Twitter. I noticed that some people are sticking around just to have an account. I've sort of quit tweeting. I, I don't tweet really anymore, but I'm I'm still listening and still gathering information from the from the Twitter sphere uh, for the program. <laughs> so. Additionally, you can, as always, email your comments to the show. The, the email address for the show is reeseboydsmc at gmail.com. And many of you have enjoyed and love to call the office to chat with me about show topics, even during my day job, which is fine. We always love to hear from you guys. That number at Davis and Boyd Attorneys at Law is 843-839-9800. Again, that's 843-839-9800. Offices of Davis and Boyd. Love to hear from you guys. Love to get your comments. Gotten to know a few of you quite well. It's been a real interesting ride here on Saturday Morning Coffee. So always love to hear from you guys. And um, uh, got a lot coming up on the show today. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking to Ashley Landis with the South Carolina Policy Council. We were uh, with Ashley a couple of weeks ago. We started a legislative update from the Policy Council. We had so much to talk about that we did not get uh, through that update. So we're going to bring Ashley back on. Uh, this morning to finish the legislative update with the Policy Council folks. And I always love talking to Ashley. She's incredibly knowledgeable, um, very well informed, and they know what they are doing. And they're doing great work in Columbia in your General Assembly, folks. So I encourage you to support the uh, work of the Policy Council and uh, be uh, excited to talk to Ashley this morning. Then coming up in the second hour of the program, we're going to be talking to um, Representative Bill Taylor, Representative Taylor is a member of the State House of Representatives. He is from Aiken, and uh, Representative Taylor has uh, launched a wide-ranging legislative agenda. It's a very ambitious agenda, and they're calling it the South Carolina Pushback Agenda in the General Assembly. And basically, the, the sort of overarching aim of the pushback agenda is to, as you might have guessed, push back and push back against an oppressive federal government that seems to be pressing in on all sides uh, from my perspective. 
and we'll be interested to talk to Representative Taylor about that. Again, he'll be coming up in the uh, second uh, part of the show, the second hour of Saturday Morning Coffee, coming up a little after the break at 8 o'clock. So stick around for that. And uh, otherwise, a lot going on. So, Glenn, I've told you about my Lavazza coffee. I want to tell mm-hmm. – um, we've uh, also wanted to, to share with you guys there's a lot um, a lot in the stack here that I'm going to try to get to today. I want to talk about the um, – I want to talk about the impeachment. We've got a, a clip from the impeachment. Also got an interesting uh, article from Nikki Haley about uh, uh, gender uh, gender dysphoria and the, the the mess that has become women's sports as a result of what's being done to gender identity in this country. We'll try to get to that. Also want to have an interesting chat about, um, I mentioned the Liz show. We were on the Liz program, and I want to tease this a little bit. Um, I continue to follow. We haven't talked a lot about it in the last couple of weeks, but I continue to follow this issue with the November 2020 election. And I think it's important that we do not let that do not let that drop from our high-level consciousness that we continue to think about that. And in particular, the lieutenant governor was on Liz's show, the Liz Calloway show here on WTKN uh, weekday morning. She was on the show Friday and I was in the studio and the lieutenant governor, Pamela Evett, was actually in the studio with us, which was a a good interview. Enjoy talking to her. And so uh, we talked about this issue related to um, voting integrity, ballot integrity, and these electronic voting machines from Dominion. And ESNS. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I've got some thoughts there. So we're going to try to get to as much of that as we can. A lot to cover. Don't know that we'll get to it all, but we'll do our best. And we welcome you guys to join in the show as well. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. This is Saturday Morning Coffee. Stick with us. morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour is now two full hours more reese coming up next on talk 94.5 hi everybody it's reese boyd your host for saturday morning coffee and we're here for a real estate minute with greg sisson of the greg sisson team with exp realty and we've talked greg on the show about how hot the real estate market is in south carolina is the market still booming it's not only booming it still remains hot builders trying to catch up to all the demand we've got only a two-month supply of inventory, so it's a red-hot seller's market for sure. So if folks are interested in selling, what can eXp Realty help them with? You know, at the end of the day, it still matters on where you price your home from a listing side, because if you overprice your property in this market and it sits for more than 30 days, people start wondering what's wrong. So it's still important to know the market and price it correctly. So the expertise matters. And how can folks get in touch with the Greg Sisson team? Directly on my cell at 843-251-2693 and gregsisson.com. Folks, if you are interested in selling in this market, give them a call. It's the Greg Sisson team with eXp Realty. Call them today. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. One, two, three.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.20 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, February 13. A little rainy here this morning. Hope you are curled up somewhere nice and warm, drinking a fine cup of coffee with us this morning. I want to thank you guys for checking in already on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Somebody checking in who is not on our list of deplorables... But they're a number. You're just a number to me. Hello, I wanted to share some information about school choice. I have two small children who attend elementary school in Georgetown County. 2021 might be the year for much-needed education talk for the country and especially South Carolina. Thank you for what you do. I could not agree with you more. I think school choice. I think school choice is, frankly, the civil rights issue of our time. It is the number one empowerment issue of our time. And it is really time, way past time, frankly, in my opinion, for every child in America to have the freedom to go to whatever school they want to go to. Every child in South Carolina should have the freedom for that child, for their parents, to to have a choice and to make sure that they're in a school that is going to provide uh, real educational opportunity for them so that they can become all, all that they're capable of becoming. And if we're not doing that for our children, we are failing them, folks. And I, and I think this COVID nonsense has really bought, brought everything sort of into relief. And we're still debating, as y'all know, there's a, a various school union, teacher union disputes around the country about when to get back in session how to get back in session two days a week, three days a week. And one of the things that has, it's just astonishing, but I want to remind everybody, I've got, you know, many, like many of us, uh, we send our children to a private church school and my kids have been in school this entire time. Glenn, we've been in school this entire time and we've not heard about a single issue. There you Um, go. and, 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 and so, yes, there are dangerous places out there for COVID, um, Cruise ships come to mind. Yeah. Uh, nursing homes come to mind. Andrew Cuomo could tell us about that. But schools have not been one of them. And, and, and you ha- what you have seen in the debate over whether to be in person or whether to be virtual, I think, is the politicization of an entire class of folk, which we love our teachers. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to disparage teachers when I say this, but it just goes to show you how politics is the order of the day. And I, one, of the, one of the great lessons of 2020, in my opinion, is when you mix politics with anything, you get politics. When you mix politics with education, you get politics. When you mix politics with professional football, you get politics. When you mix politics with medicine, you get politics. I mean, it, it, it's inescapable. And so, yeah, you don't get, you know, we could spend a whole show talking about that but i would hope we'll uh, spend more time talking about school choice in the future um i'm actually formerly a member of the board for the charter school district of south carolina i was on that board for a while and i'm i plan to get my friend chris neely who is the district director <clears throat> for the charter school district for the state of south carolina i'd like to get chris to come on the program and tell us how we're doing in the charter school space here in south carolina my understanding is <clears throat> excuse me we're doing well mm-hmm. so yeah great point and uh and uh, if you will 
text us your name, uh, Mr. Number. We will uh, add you to our list of deplorables. Will down at Coastal Sports also checking in. Good morning, Will. Al, the real man, checking in. Good morning, Al. Waking up with Folgers and Saturday morning coffee this morning. Always good to hear from you, Al. Johnny checking in. Thank you for the prize package. You're welcome, Johnny. He said uh, Maxwell House is in his mug. And he appreciates the prize pack, the T-shirt, the mug, and the uh, Starbucks gift card. Win a win a chicken dinner. Win a win a chicken dinner. Andy, the bass player, checking in. We're going to do our best to get this rain under control. Andy, we're working on it. The climber's checking in. So thanks to all of you loyal listeners out there who always check in with us. We're glad to hear from you. I wonder if Andy's doing taxes this morning. I would imagine. that he is. It is tax season. Yes, he is. It is that time of year. So. So wanted to spend a few minutes talking about, uh, obviously, one of the huge events of the week. There's so much going on. White House has uh, been acti- actively engaged in the art of remaking your life since uh, <laughs> yeah. Joe Biden came to power by fiat, by executive order. We'll try to get to some of that. The uh, Biden uh, energy policies, according to some uh, representatives, including Oklahoma Rep. Mullen Warren's uh, Mullen, are headed, are, are taking this country in the direction of a full-fledged recession. Uh, be uh, try to get to some of that if we get a chance. Um, a few trouble, a few problems over at the Lincoln Project. Don't know if you all have been following that, but also wanted to start with the uh, the uh, impeachment. And after the, and we won't have time. I sent you a clip uh, this morning, Glenn. We won't have time to play the whole thing. It's a long clip. But after a very rocky start, and I just to be candid with y'all, as a lawyer, when we first got exposure to this proceeding. I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, <laughs> is, is this the best that we is this the A team? Because if this is the A team, we have a real problem. They did not get off to a good start, the president's legal team. But actually, I think that at the uh, at the present time, they're the, the most recent showing now that they've mounted their case uh, is actually pretty good. They've done a very good job of highlighting the fact that this trial is a political fiasco. Mm-hmm. It is a. It is speaking of mixing politics. This is not a legal proceeding. This is a political trial. It is a political proceeding. It's interesting that what they're charging the president with in an incite to riot, an incitement to riot, is actually a legal term with a legal definition, which they have not met, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it is an entirely political fiasco. It is a fraud. And I think the, the, the president's legal team has finally done a good job at something. They've done a good job of highlighting the, um, the hypocrisy in the, in the prosecution. So let's roll that clip. Let's hear a little bit of, of the president's legal team. All right. And actually, you know, one thing I really liked was the way that they, they pretty much defunct what the Democrats were saying. They're bringing in things that have nothing to do with this particular trial. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is manifestly disproven by the plain text of the remarks. The president devoted nearly his entire speech to an extended discussion of how legislators should vote on the question at hand. Instead of expressing a desire that the joint session be prevented from conducting its business, the entire premise of his remarks was that the democratic process would and should play out according to the letter of the law including both the Constitution and the Electoral Count Act. In the conclusion of his remarks, he then laid out a series of legislative steps that should be taken to improve democratic accountability going forward. And Sean is talking about such the as passing speech universal here. voter ID legislation, banning 
ballot harvesting, requiring proof of citizenship to vote, and turning out strong in the next primaries. Not only President, these are not the words of someone inciting a violent insurrection. Not only President Trump's speech on January 6th, but indeed his entire challenge to the election results was squarely focused on how the proper civic process could address any concerns through the established legal and constitutional system. The president brought his case before state and federal courts, the U.S. Supreme Court, the state legislatures, the Electoral College, and ultimately the U.S. Congress. In the past, numerous other candidates for president have used many of the same processes to pursue their own election challenges. As recently as 2016, the Clinton campaign brought multiple post-election court cases, demanded recounts, and ridiculously declared the election stolen by Russia. Many Democrats even attempted to persuade the Electoral College delegates to overturn the 2016 results. House Manager Raskin objected to the certification of President Trump's victory four years ago, along with many of his colleagues. You'll remember it was Joe Biden who had to gavel them down. I have an objection because 10 of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified. I object to the votes from the state of Wisconsin, which were not, should not be legally no certified. Debate. Or Mr. President, I object to the certificate from the state of Georgia on the grounds that the electoral votes no were debate. not. There's no debate. And I object to the certificate uh, from the state of North Carolina. These are clips from back in 2016. Um, I object. I object to the certificate from the state of Alabama. The electors were not lawfully certified. Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection <laughs> cannot be entertained. The objection cannot be entertained. Counting debate is uh, not in order. Ballot. Even with the there is no debate in order. Is it signed by a senator? There is right no debate. And there is no debate in the, the joint government. session. Somebody starts there begging no for a senator's signature no here in a moment. Yeah. There is no debate. And the mass Please come to order. The objection cannot be received. But the Russian Section 18, Title III of the United States Code prohibits debate in the joint session. I do not wish to debate. I wish to ask, is there one United States Here we go. who will join me in this letter? There is no debate. Yeah. So the clip goes no the clip debate. goes on and on, and we could we could listen to it. But I want to just share that little bit with y'all. There's actually much more to it, and they, they highlight the also the many speeches given by Democratic members of Congress and of the Senate to uh, incite violence, literally to encourage violence on the part of their political supporters. And so that just highlights the incredible hypocrisy. This whole thing is a lie, folks. It's an absolute lie, and it will fail, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But we're going to uh, come back after the break. We're going to be talking to Ashley Landis, so stick with us. A lot more to come on Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Talk Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on 
Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's attorney Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour here on WTKN. I'm also a practicing attorney with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law here in Myrtle Beach. These are certainly trying and uncertain times for individuals, families, and businesses here along the Grand Strand. Please know that our team of professionals at Davis and Boyd stands ready to assist you with all of your personal and business legal needs. So if we can assist you in any way, give us a call at 839-9800. That's Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk your shelter you know we will welcome back to saturday morning coffee i'm reese boyd your host welcome back to the show it is 7:36 on your saturday morning thanks for sticking with us here on saturday morning coffee just before the break we were talking about the impeachment and one one thing i did want to say before we switch gears the prosecution if that's what you want to call it is uh i think has has demonstrated more than anything that there is no evidence really, because what have you heard about? You've heard about emotion. You've heard about how much they don't like Donald Trump. Well, surprise. We knew that we don't need a case uh, to demonstrate that Donald Trump is probably one of the most hated political figures by some in our history, but that doesn't mean that he's guilty of anything or that he needs to be impeached. I was reminded and, and, by the way, the managers themselves have given this point away in their kind of pivot. If you've noticed, they've pivoted in these proceedings. And by the way, I hope you guys have not followed all of this on a minute-by-minute basis. I would hope that we're all mostly ignoring a lot of this. Frankly, we watch a lot of this stuff, so you guys don't have to. But if you have been watching, you should have noticed that they've pivoted a little bit. The, the initial theory was the president incited the, the mob violence, that he incited the riot. Then the theory sort of be- appeared to shift to, well, he was involved in the conspiracy to plan the thing in advance. It was a foregone conclusion because, frankly, the evidence is clear that there were many people who came to Washington with the intent of starting something. And so the whole thing is kind of falling apart. But when you realize that they've pivoted on themselves, their their theory of the case has changed. You also have to realize that they presented absolutely zero evidence of any actual wrongdoing by the president. And as the defense has pointed out, his remarks uh, speak for themselves. They speak for themselves. So... At the end of the day, or whenever this process is concluded, there is going to be no conviction of Donald Trump. You're going to wind up having somewhere between 53 and 57 senators who vote uh, for conviction. But the the prosecutors need two-thirds of the Senate. They need 67 votes, which they're just never going to get. So the whole thing is a foregone uh, conclusion. It does make you wonder what exactly they hope to accomplish, because this entire process, in case any of you 
haven't noticed, this entire process, beginning with November the 3rd, actually beginning before November 3rd, but certainly from November 3rd to the present day, has been extremely harmful to our country and to the fabric of our democracy. And what the Democrats are now doing in Congress is simply making it worse, as if we didn't have enough to worry about simply with the Biden administration. So it's curious at best to see what they're up to or what, the, what they're thinking or what they hope to accomplish. Some interesting comments coming in on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. I've missed the pre- proceedings for the second impeachment. Therefore, I have a question that I last heard in the beginning was Justice Roberts would not attend because he is not, as Trump, is not a sitting president. Therefore, my question is, what exactly would be the end result of this impeachment trial without, is it just, without a justice to decide the results? I am uncertain and just interested in the response for, from, the, in short, what happens without a justice sitting? In, yes, it's an excellent question. Uh, there is no justice sitting in this proceeding. Uh, it's being chaired by Patrick Leahy, the senator from Vermont. He's the ranking member sitting and presiding over these proceedings. So basically what we have is a situation where a member of the jury is presiding over the trial. I mean, imagine if you guys would a court case here in O'Ree County where the, the solicitor, Jimmy Richardson, brings a few of you in as the jury to sit in judgment over one of your peers, the criminal defendant. And the solicitor, though Jimmy Richardson would never do this, but the solicitor brings no evidence to the courthouse. He simply tells a lot of stories about what a bad guy the defendant is and how evil the defendant is and how the evil the defendant is unfit to be a member of society, a free society out among us. And then he asked one of the jury uh, to preside over the proceeding and sit as the as the judge in addition to being the juror. That's that shows that's just another example of how this proceeding, frankly, is a farce. But it's an excellent question. And it's all about hate. It's not about the. Uh, it's not about the evidence. But excellent question. A few other questions coming in. Cricket uh, got a question for us. Albert checking in with a wonderful license plate that says Beijing Biden on it. Albert, I'm, I, I love that. If you can mass produce it, I'm sure there are many of us who would like to have one. That's a. That's a, a very uh, a very nice license plate you got there. But uh, want to switch gears for a moment. We've got a guest, special guest on the program that we have had before. She is back with us today. She is Ashley Landis with the South Carolina Policy Council. And she's going to talk to us about more local matters, what's going on here in South Carolina, in particular in Columbia, in the General Assembly. Good morning, Ashley. How are you this fine Saturday morning? Doing great, Reese. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. I hope you got some coffee and you're uh, up and stirring and Sure. <laughs> I do, actually. I could not make it without coffee. All so. right. Good. Well, um, thanks for joining us here on the show. We had you a couple of weeks ago, and we had so much to talk about with all the great work that the Policy Council is doing in Columbia. We just didn't get to everything, so we decided, well, we'll have you back. We had been through part of your legislative update. Let's remind people, if you would, for those who missed the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, tell folks real briefly what, what the Policy Council is and what you do. Sure. The Policy Council is a nonprofit, nonpartisan, non-government, independent research organization focused on South Carolina government. So our job is to tell you really what's going on in the state house and state agencies to translate for you the legislation and the practices and all the complexities so that you you know people out there can understand what's really going on the structure of our government, and right now we focus pretty heavily on what's happening in the state house. Yeah, and and there obviously is a lot 
there to stay focused on. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, last time when we had you on the show a couple of weeks ago, we talked about some of the ethics uh, legislation that was or is pending. We talked briefly about H3570, a, a Second Amendment concern there with 3570, sort of a red flag kind of provision that uh, mm-hmm. that is pending. And, and what's the what's the latest on 3570? Any changes in its status or anything uh, particular? It, it, um, I don't think so at this point, but I will say that there are, and we are going to be releasing very soon, a deeper analysis of some of the Second Amendment bills, some of the concerns we have that are mm-hmm. coming up in the legislature. Yep. There are quite a few bills aimed at restricting your Second Amendment rights. And those are those are really some of the ones that we're focused on the most because a lot of them sound so innocuous, no big deal, making yeah. sense, right? Yeah. But really, we have some pretty scary stuff happening over there on the Second Amendment. So we have a few of those that have been highlighted. And I think, I think some of this is pretty bad. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. There's a bill, H3036, which requires drivers pulled over in a traffic stop to disclose to the officer making the stop all firearms in the vehicle. What's what's the story? I mean, I mean to me, and I'll just say this, this is one man's opinion, I, I carry... Um, I don't always carry, but when I do have a gun, if I have a gun in the vehicle, I would certainly disclose that to the officer just uh, just as a matter of common sense courtesy, it seems to me. But that doesn't mean that I want the law to require me to disclose it. What's your what's your take on that? Well, first of all, interestingly enough, and, and I didn't know this until you know, recently, I thought, as, as it sounds like you're saying, that it was a matter of courtesy to disclose to an officer that you're carrying a weapon and that you have the permit. But in fact, that is the law already, Reed. Mm-hmm. If you're pulled over and, a, and an officer asks for ID, you're under current law, I believe, required to show the officer your CWP and disclose that you have your weapon in the car. You're already supposed to do that. Now, what this would do essentially would add any weapon any firearm in the car at all you would have to disclose to an officer if that officer asked for your id really in the yeah. pull over or just seeing you and that would mean pretty much everybody in the car Reese, would have to disclose to the police carrying a firearm i've got this on me there's one in the back seat it's not loaded really any any weapon in the car any firearm in the car and you know, I, I feel the way you do, Reese, and I think most people do, that I would always tell an officer when there is a firearm in the car, even if I weren't required to. But it does beg some questions and some concerns about you know, what does that open the door for, say, probable cause to mm-hmm. search a vehicle, for example. Yeah, so it, it's could, always it, could open the, it could open the door to quite a bit, actually, which is my concern. Exactly. Um, Ashley, we're going right. to take, take a quick break for a brief timeout with a couple of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Can you stick with us? You bet. Folks, we're talking to Ashley Landis with the South Carolina Policy Council, and we'll be right back after these words. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. 
When you join Freedom Boat Club, instantly you get access to a fleet of boats. All those expenses and annoyances like maintenance and cleaning, dock and storage fees, all the hassles of boating, forget them. As a member of the Freedom Boat Club, you can use the boats as often as you'd like, and you can bring anyone on board, even your favorite pet. With four Freedom Boat Club locations along the Grand Strand, we can satisfy all your boating needs. So if you'd like to experience hassle-free boating, then cruise on over to freedomboatclub.com. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.50 on your Saturday morning. We're talking with Ashley Landis this morning here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Ashley is with the South Carolina Policy Council. She's giving us the skinny on some of the bills that you need to know about that are now pending in the General Assembly. And Ashley, thanks for joining us this morning. It is uh, before the break, we were talking about H3036, which requires you to disclose a firearm in a vehicle if you are subject to a traffic stop. Another one I wanted to ask you about is S72, which makes it unlawful to privately sell or transfer transfer a gun without a license uh, or going through a dealer that can run a background check. What's the story with that? That doesn't sound helpful at all. Well, it's, you know, yeah, if you wanted to, say, sell one of your firearms to a friend or you know a family member you you wouldn't be able to do that without a license now that's the part that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us uh, and most gun control laws don't make sense that's the thing they don't really fit with what they're supposed to be accomplishing mm-hmm. and it, really you're just adding more and more layers of restriction so People have got to pull back and think about these things before mm-hmm. they accept them. For example, a law that says, this this legislation that says now all felonies in South Carolina would you know cause you to lose your firearm. For now, it's just violent crimes. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some crimes in South Carolina that are felonies, such as contempt of the General Assembly. You That's know, a good tampering, one. Yeah. Like tampering with a utility meter, graffiti, vandalism. There's so many weird laws in South Carolina and so So, so if, that, if that bill were to pass and say I was uh, convicted of contempt of the General Assembly, I, I, could, <laughs> I could visualize that happening one day. Um, For sure. What, uh, what, does that mean you can't own a firearm? You're, you're precluded? Well, it, in, yes. It gets a little worse than that, though, Reese. It's already federal law that anyone convicted of a felony loses the right to keep and bear arms, sure. period. Yeah. Now, well, well, uh, well, I think, let me just say this real quick, and I want you to talk, not me, but I think there's a, I think that there is a question about mental health and sort of predilection to 
commit violent crime based on your criminal history. And that, that gets back to whether you're a fully participating member of civil society or not. And we have to protect against people who are mentally not well, obviously, or who have already demonstrated that they have a predilection to, to be violent criminals. We obviously have an interest in it. But if you're not any of those things, then I tend to get back to the, the text of the Second Amendment. And I look at these guys and say, what part of the Second Amendment do you all not understand? Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And the problem is this kind of middle ground here. Because there are so many crimes in South Carolina that are classified as felony, or even you know civil matters such as libel that are classified as misdemeanors, actual crimes, the gray area on the felony is this. For a nonviolent crime like some of the ones we've described, you don't currently lose your gun. Mm-hmm. Under federal law, you would, but under federal law, there is a path to restoring your right when you're released from prison. And under South Carolina law, because they don't take your gun in the first place for certain felonies, there is a path to petitioning to have your rights restored. That, that's allowed under federal law. It's a state, if it's a state crime and the state restores your right to carry or to own when you get out. But under this law, making every felony a crime for which you lose your gun shuts that path down. So not only could you not own a gun in South Carolina, but there's no path to getting it back anywhere in the country hmm. except for a pardon. I mean, the, the law, the federal law with the state law, these gun restrictions seem innocuous, but when you look deeper, they're very concerning to yeah. us. Well. Having been down this road, uh, they don't seem innocuous to me. That's why we have to be vigilant. certainly not. Yeah, we have to be vigilant and, um, and, and keep an eye out. And I don't know if there's any other Second Amendment uh, issues in the pending legislation that you want to talk about. Uh, we can do that. You also highlighted uh, several education bills in the Policy Council legislative update, some energy bills, mm-hmm. including uh, H3194, which relates to another authorization to sell Santee Cooper. You talked about some fiscal uh, uh, bills, some spending bills. And so what, what, else, what, what else would you like to highlight? What, what would you like to discuss from the Policy Council perspective this morning in terms of what's going on in the General Assembly? Well, I would, would add a couple of things quickly on the Second Amendment. Yeah. There also, uh, there is legislation to make certain misdemeanors crimes under which you lose your weapon. Now, these crimes would be anything with a sentence between one and two years. So they would add that to the list of crimes. Misdemeanors, the sentence is between one and two years. You would lose your gun. Now, to be clear, you don't lose your gun under federal law in those circumstances, but you would under state law. That's where you get into losing the right to own a weapon or slander or libel for trespassing on state park property, sale or possession of counterfeit cigarettes. I, I could go on here, but but look, people, this is dangerous stuff yeah. here. This is very, very serious. Yeah. And finally, on that note, the new, the, the, the bill to ban carrying, even if you are legally allowed to, even with your permit, a weapon, within a thousand um, yards of a school. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Now y'all, I don't know 
That's uh, that's S twenty three. S twenty three, I believe. Right, yeah. but but you see, you're you're fancy on those bill numbers. I oh. have to be honest. It's, it's, it's <laughs> you, about you know, much, I just know the numbers. You know the you know the details. <laughs> so. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask yeah, you this. Cat. Let me ask you. Thousand feet of a school. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Um, if we know these bills are awful, and you're you're working on the front lines every day in Columbia, if people want to stop these bills, what is the most effective thing that people can do? to bring the General Assembly to heal? What do you think is most effective? Well, some of the, when it comes to this kind of legislation, I would suggest, first of all, forward our analyses to your House member and to your senator and make sure that they're able to explain them to you. They need to be directly accountable to you, your House member and your senator. Get used to us saying that, Reese, yeah. because your House member and your Senator I like that have word. a lot more control, yeah. right? For example, they have complete control. Ashley, we're headed into a, a hard break for a news break, uh, but we're going to bring you back, folks. It's Ashley Landis with the South Carolina Policy Council, and we'll be back with more Saturday morning coffee. Stick with us. At Williams Flooring Carpet One in Pauley's Island, shopping for floors just got a whole lot easier. Get samples delivered right to your door. How simple is that? Start online at WilliamsFlooringCarpet1.com and get started on updating your floors with samples delivered to your door. At Williams Flooring Carpet 1 in Pauley's Island, they offer their unique, beautiful guarantee. If you don't love your new floor, they'll replace it free. It doesn't get easier than that. Williams Flooring Carpet One has a beautiful showroom with tile, carpet, luxury vinyl plank, and lots of products in stock and ready to roll. Find out why so many homeowners all over the Grand Strand love Williams Flooring Carpet One. Bev and Rob Webster know floors and they know how to make you smile. Shopping for floors just got a whole lot easier. Everything gets started online at WilliamsFlooringCarpet1.com or stop by and visit Highway 17 in Pauley's Island. The right choice for conservative insight. This is 94.5 WTKN. Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach. Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson Team EXP Realty. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Reese. So, Greg, you've been on the show, and we've talked many times about what an incredibly hot market we have in real estate here along the Grand Strand. And, of course, there are many real estate agents that folks who have property to sell could choose, but why should they choose the Greg Sisson team? I think experience matters. I mean, 23 years here locally in the business. But I think what sets us apart is having a strategy for buyers in this competitive environment to compete and win. It is advantage seller. So you've got to have a strategy for your buyers that they can come to a transaction and win with all the competing offers. And we can share that with our buyers. Folks, that's Greg Sisson with the Greg Sisson team. Reach Greg at 843 843- 251-2693 or book your appointment online at gregsisson.com. Give them a call today. It's real estate agents you can trust. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Two full hours on Talk 94.5.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 8.07 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for uh, sticking with us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. I want to thank Ashley Landis for joining us here on the show. Again, most of you know this, but Ashley, if you were just tuning in toward the end of the segment, Ashley is with the South Carolina Policy Council in Columbia, and I always love talking to Ashley because she is so knowledgeable about the uh, comings and goings of the General Assembly and all the many things that they are pondering, all the various bits of legislation that are floating around in the flotsam up there. It is uh, great to talk to her. She sort of sifts through all the background noise and brings to the surface the things that you guys need to be aware of. You guys can find the Policy Council online. The web address is scpolicycouncil.org, scpolicycouncil.org. If you go to the website, you can sign up for the Policy Council's email updates, which they send out regularly, which are always very helpful and extremely informative. I use them on the show all the time. And I've been working with the Policy Council for years, going all the way back to when I worked for the governor. We did work with the Policy Council way back years and years ago. And they're just great. They are freedom fighters, folks. They are fighting in the General Assembly for your freedom is really what it amounts to. And so they deserve your attention and they deserve your support. So I hope you guys will follow the Policy Council and, uh, and get uh, involved in the work that they are doing in the General Assembly. And we're going to have Ashley back uh, from time to time on the program, uh, as we do regularly, to continue to give us legislative updates and give us her thoughts on what is happening in Columbia. But right now, I want to switch gears to another freedom fighter who, to whom we all owe a debt of gratitude for his work in the General Assembly, uh, coincidentally, also in the same venue. It's Representative uh, Bill Taylor. Representative Taylor represents uh, Aiken County in the uh, South Carolina House of Representatives. And he has been on the show as well in the past. And this uh, time we're going to be talking about uh, what Representative Taylor has put forth as the pushback agenda. Good morning, Representative Taylor. How are you this morning? Hey, Reese, I'm absolutely terrific. And I have my French roast coffee right in front of me. Oh, very good. Love a little French roast. We're... Uh, we're all about good coffee here on the program, uh, Bill. So, Will, uh, can I call you Bill? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, w- I appreciate that. I will. Uh, I always enjoy sitting around uh, with coffee and talking politics with uh, somebody who is a true freedom mm-hmm. fighter, such as yourself. And I was curious when I read your uh, email update, which I also get your email updates from Taylor SC House, um, about the pushback agenda. Tell us, uh, tell us about the pushback agenda and what you're what you're trying to accomplish there. Well, Reese, yeah, look, let's identify the problem here. Um, you know, our nation is changing. We know it's not for the better. And most sensible folks, particularly those of us who've been around a while, we kind of shake our heads in disbelief. The unimaginable is becoming a reality. The federal government is in a command and control mode, uh, often using the pandemic uh, as their rationale. Uh, now we have the socialists that are in charge. But, let me say, the problem is it isn't a Democrat or a Republican issue. It's a big government and a big tech issue. And so in Washington, you know those three equal branches of government we learned in our civics classes uh, back in the, in grade school or middle sure. school or high school? They, ha- they don't exist anymore. You know that, don't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, the executive branch um, 
they shower us uh, with from the White House, our lowly subjects that we are, with all their executive orders. The federal bureaucrats uh, continue to strangle us with, reg- uh, with re- regulations. But here's the deal. The legislative branch, the ones we elect, Congress, all they do is squabble among themselves. You talked about that earlier this morning. And, and they wallow in all their raw politics. And the third branch of government, the federal courts, they've become so highly politicized, they fail to be impartial referees using the Constitution as the guidebook. So here's the deal. We've got to put the brakes on. And who can put the brakes on best? It's state legislators can do it all around this country. Our founders intended that, you know. Sure. We're supposed to have a limited form of government at the federal level. And state governments were supposed to be all-powerful. The Constitution, in many ways, limit, was, was intended to limit the federal government, not to expand it. So here in South Carolina, we uh, have what we've labeled the pushback agenda. Now, it, it's not my all my bills. I have several in there. But, but uh, state legislatures all over the country are kind of stepping up. To the, the smart ones are anyway. Uh, and, and putting forth these things to stop and push back uh, on on the federal government. Look, uh, there's about 20 bills uh, that I sort of determined uh, that were filed by various uh, representatives, and uh, they are all really pretty damn good. Uh, and yeah. uh, I put them together. I showed them to our caucus. I sent the email out last week. I showed them to the Republican caucus, and they didn't even fully understand. And I understand that because I didn't before I started this project. All these bills existed. So uh, many of them went and signed on many of the bills, and uh, they sort of got it in front of them. Big, It's a big deal. I want you to talk about the ones that you think are important. I will tell you the ones that caught my eye. And we've talked about H-3205, the Article 5 Convention of States bill. We, you and I have talked about the Article 5 COS project in the past here on this show. And I think that's important because I think this current environment that we're in, this is kind of the crescendo of a problem that's been building for a long time. But we're kind of in that moment where I think this highlights the problem that we have with federalism and how the federal government has become too powerful. and, And I do think we need to restore balance to the federal system. But the other thing that I really wanted to mention that caught my attention is this business about reigning in big tech at the state level through the, um, you know, through the uh, state tort exception to the, uh, I think it's with Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. And this bill that um, this bill that creates the opportunity to sue in state court, Facebook and Twitter and any big tech platform that deplatforms you or discriminates against you. And so I think those are two critical bills. But what do you want to talk about this? Well, yeah. You, you know, you hit on two that are very, very important and close to people. The, the one that probably uh, got the most traction over the last week, uh, the bill number now is uh, uh, 3869, but it's the nullification bill and the nullification of executive orders. I filed that bill on Wednesday. Uh, I filed it with, there's 31 sponsors on that bill. That's a, that's a pretty sizable number for a bill that's being filed on uh, this week, um, this bill uh, mandates that in South Carolina, we can legally ignore a White House executive order that we believe to be unconstitutional. Uh, it, it, what happens is we would establish 
uh, the bill calls for the establishment of committees in the House and the Senate. And when executive orders come, that committee would then review them. And if they believe they're unlawful, they would send them to our attorney general uh, for his review. And um, if his uh, review came back and said that it's clearly unconstitutional and it would cite the reasons for it, then we, as a legislature, could then make some decisions about what to do. Now, look, <clears throat> this is the checks and balances that don't exist in Washington today. So uh, we feel it's very necessary. People, I've had people say, you know, nullification, they, they've tried this before, it doesn't work. I said, oh, heck, it works. Just look at California, Oregon, and Washington. Yeah, it's being done. They don't, they don't, they, they just, they don't formally do it. They just say, no, we're, we're a sanctuary uh, a state for yeah. um, uh, illegal aliens. So that's nullification. Yeah. How about all the states that, that went ahead and legalized marijuana with the federal government exactly. says you can't? Yeah. They just said, oh, well, that's nullification. We don't care. Yeah. So we're in the process, so we'd like a process to do it rather than just being arbitrary about it. So that that bill has uh, – uh, I've, I've had calls from all over the nation about it. Now, I wasn't original. South, South Dakota filed a similar bill, I think, a week before. And other states are doing the same thing. You're seeing an uprising. Mm -hmm. You're seeing an uprising among state legislators around the country because this just can't go on. Yeah. Uh, Bill, we need to take a short break. We've got to pay the bills. Yep. Can you stick with us through a commercial break? Absolutely. Folks, we're talking to Representative Bill Taylor with the South Carolina House of Representatives and the pushback agenda. After these words from our sponsors, we'll be uh, we'll be back with more Representative Taylor and more Saturday morning coffee. Stick with us. Mother is your best friend. He's your second cousin. All roads lead to he's a rising sun. Milo is a long, long way from home yet. Milo is a name you won't forget. Milo, I haven't met yet. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. In a cave below the ground, way down, it's cold and it's dark. But a nose is way around, and the mazes of the underground are no match for him. But it looks just like a traveler who hasn't showered in a while and been living in the ground. Milo is your best friend. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 821 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here today on Saturday Morning Coffee. We're talking to Representative Bill Taylor. Representative Taylor represents Aiken in the South Carolina General Assembly, and he is the, I guess, the lead sponsor behind uh, a package of bills or a group of bills that's being called the Pushback Agenda. <laughs> Uh, Representative Taylor, thanks for joining us here on the program this morning. Well, Reese, I'm glad to be back with you. This is great. Can I share something with you? Sure, absolutely. The, uh, I put out uh, that uh, the pushback of, uh, uh, agenda last weekend, mm -hmm. and uh, I was inundated with telephone calls, emails, text messages 
and not only from Aiken County, but from all over the state. And then during the week, this went national and got on some national uh, talk shows, radio talk shows. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten them from all over the country now. So my phone is blown up. But let me let me just give you a couple uh, uh, just just to give you a sense. And I hear I have literally hundreds of, of, of quotes from people. But one person says, this gives me hope. What's taking place in D.C. is unimaginable and unconstitutional. God bless America and God bless South Carolina. Yeah. Another says, this is great. This is indeed not a left or a right issue. Hopefully we can persuade our friends on all sides of the political spectrum that our national happiness requires a robust maintenance of American federalism, which was engineered to secure our diversity while at the same time preserving our national strong union. It goes on and on. All states start pushing against back against Washington and their dictatorial stances. It, it has really occurred to me, Bill, since all of this, you know, ever since November and the election and things started to run off the rails and Biden started printing out executive orders, you know, on his little mimeograph in the basement. Um <laughs> You know, it I'm is, not so sure it's Joe doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. You know? I think he's. I, I think they. The there's, shadow, there's there's the tape on the floor. Presidency. Yeah, there's tape yeah, on the, the floor. Presidency. Yeah. 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 They they tell him where to stand, and uh, that to me, in a nutshell, yeah. is is the case for federalism. You know, all the all the crazy unconstitutional things that are happening. They're turning our capital into a militarized zone. It, you know, it's funny they they didn't want to mili- yeah. they didn't want to militarize the capital when they knew uh, yeah. danger was afoot. But they're happy to militarize it for the inauguration of Joe Biden. And uh, it's just a, it's it's a really phenomenal. Well, well, the thing about it this way, that way they got a crowd because they uh, they got the National Guard there. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, look, can I say one thing about the nullification of executive sure. orders? There's yeah. been a lot of controversy about this, but yeah. uh, but I did a count and Joe Biden uh, in his first of all, he's done more than 40 executive orders in the last few weeks. In his first week alone, the actual real count, there's all kinds of crazy numbers that go around. The real count, best I can tell, he did 24 in his first week. That compares to Donald Trump at five, Obama at five, George W. Bush at zero, and Bill Clinton at zero. Now, look. What that that leads to, you know, and he he once said, uh, you know, it was a tool of dictators. Well, <laughs> here we are. Um, we, you know, that's why this is being done. Um, you mentioned a moment ago about the Article Five Convention of States bill. That's thirty two oh five. We've been at that. I was the first to file it in twenty thirteen. First legislator in the country to mm-hmm. file it in twenty thirteen. Fifteen states have passed it already to have a convention of states to propose amendments to the Constitution. Not not to make amendments, but to propose, propose amendments them. to the Constitution to yeah. limit the federal government. And we're getting close on this one. We're going to have hearings in the next uh, month on this. And I predict the House of Representatives will pass it this year. It'll go to the Senate, and there is a re- receptivity in the Senate now. So we have a best chance we've ever had is this term. And again, that's not a, a red and a blue issue. That's a red, white, and blue issue. Yeah. This is the only legal and lawful way we're going to rein in the federal government. Yeah, I do agree. And there are some folks out there that have some objections to the Convention of States that I find hard to follow. But the point being, this is just a provision that the states are simply exercising 
the authority that they have under the Constitution as it has been written since the beginning. This is nothing new. Yeah. This is no, nothing. I, I, I love it. I love it that the people think, oh, no, you can't do this. I go, look, because we believe in the Constitution. It's sacred. Well, if you believe in the Constitution, it's sacred. The founders gave this in Article 5. It said that the Constitution can be amended by Congress mm-hmm. or by the state. Sure. Now, it's just as simple as that. So here's the thing that the only real objection you ever hear is that, uh, it, it's going to be a runaway convention. This is the John Birchers that do this. A runaway convention is going to get out there. Look, it, it, first of all, it takes 34 states to even call for a convention, okay? Mm-hmm. Then it takes it, it would take three-quarters of those states to send out an amendment. It takes three-quarters of the states to uh, adopt uh, an amendment to the Constitution. That is an extremely high jump bar. Sure. Uh, it it, 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 it Virtually impossible to see something crazy go on. Heck, you got the thirteen states of the Confederacy. We, you know, we we, we have veto power. But at any rate, just just saying. Yeah. Well, and and the ultimate backstop, <laughs> the ultimate backstop, and it really doesn't matter. There there is no precedent and no possibility, realistically, that a convention is is going to be rogue or run away. If if right. hypothetically it happened, we would just ignore it. It they they yeah. have no they have no presidential legal value other than than what they are authorized to do by their state legislatures correct which is just to propose amendments to limit the federal government and by the way let's remember we have a runaway convention right now it's called congress sure and you know they propose some 80 amendments to the constitution every term yeah so, and, hey, and, 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 and they and just I, get I, I they just get ignored or not passed, which is the same thing that would happen if this convention proposes amendments that are not acceptable to thirty eight of the states or whatever that number is. I believe right. it's thirty eight. Then they just won't get adopted, and that will be the end of it. But at the very well, least, the states will have taken action. Yeah, and the big news is that I think we're going to move this bill finally, once and for all. It's going to really get moved. We came close last year, then COVID hit. Yeah. I, I know our time is short, but I, can I tell you a couple of things about the pushback amendment? Now, these are not all of mine, believe me. They are many of my colleagues have done this. You mentioned earlier stopping the social media censorship. There's a bill that would allow South Carolinians to take legal action against the social media site. So, you know, that's a cool one, right? Yeah, that is, the, uh, that, that is that is 3450, which is also— right pending in various states tell folks and, and by the way we can go for a little bit longer because there's a lot to talk about so i'm not in a yeah. huge rush but tell okay. folks tell folks a little bit about that bill and what it would do if you if you can well you know we get we get uh, cracked on sometimes as oh south carolina follows we're always on. by the way this bill was the first bill to be filed of this kind now there's 13 other states that have followed florida and ron DeSantis got huge publicity meanwhile South Carolina was the first to file this bill in December. So how about that? You know, and look, look, life has changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't go to the park now on the street corner and stand on the, on the, on the steps and and tell people stuff, you know, the digital square is the public square now. So uh, in social media, we need to encourage that. Now we don't want the terrible stuff, but we want the free flow of political and religious ideas. You want robust debate. And really, that's what ha- should happen on social media. So this bill gives South Carolinians the ability to take legal action against the, the large social media sure. sites that censor them. So, you know, that's so, so the if, right So direction. just to make, to make sure people understand, if Facebook censors you because of your conservative political beliefs or your religious values or whatever those prohibited 
protected viewpoints yeah. are, you can then sue Facebook in state court. And I believe the minimum damage is 75000 if I'm not mistaken, looking at the bill briefly. So, right. and of course, you could also do class actions, which that adds up fairly quickly oh, yeah. and becomes a big deal even for a company like Facebook or Twitter. That's right. Yeah. A couple of other bills yeah. I need to I need to point out. Sure. Second Second Amendment sanctuary state. Uh, thirty seven and the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, there you go. I mean that that's a big one on this list. Bill, can you uh we we'd like to hear more about that. Can you stick with us briefly through one more break and I, we'll come back and wrap I, this up? I'd love to be with you. Sounds good. Folks, we're talking to Representative Bill Taylor from Aiken, a member of the South Carolina General Assembly, and we'll be back with more of the pushback agenda and more Saturday morning coffee right after these words from our sponsors. Don't leave town. Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. This is Phyllis with today's encouraging word, Genesis 29, 20. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like a few days to him because of his love for her. What is God saying to us? Jacob was told by his soon-to-be father-in-law that he could have Rachel for his wife if he worked for him for seven years. His father-in-law tricked him and made him wait for another seven years. How long would you be willing to wait for true love? God's love is perfect and is always ready to show you just how much He really loves and cares for you. He wants to hold you in His loving arms and give you rest and peace. You do not have to wait any longer. Take a minute right now and simply ask God to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. He is waiting for you with His arms open wide. His love will overflow your heart with joy. Now go and let the world see the new love in your heart. For when you have His love in your heart, you will be able to love others. Today's encouraging word is sponsored by Crossroads Community Church, Carolina Elevator Cooperative, and your friends here at Talk 94.5. Forestry is big business in South Carolina. How can people walking around in the woods be big business? No, forestry is everything that's part of the wood product supply chain, and it makes up the third largest industry in the state. In fact, the forest industry in South Carolina ranks number one in jobs, number two in labor income, and number three in overall economic impact at $21.2 billion. Wow, forestry is big business in South Carolina. South Carolina Forest, they'll grow on you. Sponsored by the South Carolina Forestry Commission, the South Carolina Broadcasters Association, and this state. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new adventure. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flowing like an awful daily and nightly. Will it ever stop, y'all? I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll go to the extreme. I rock a mic like a band, light up the stage and wax a jump like a candle dance. Caress a speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom, deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best. It's a felony, love it to leave it to Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. 8.35 on your Saturday morning. And it is your Saturday morning, by the way, until somebody takes it away from you. Don't let that happen. This morning, we're talking to Representative Bill Taylor on uh, the pushback agenda, now pending in the form of 
multiple bills, a couple of dozen bills in the General Assembly. And, um, Bill, one thing I wanted to share with you, back to the uh, the private right of action against Facebook and Twitter and those those big tech tycoons, I noticed just yesterday an article, uh, Big Tech Crackdown, Twitter permanently suspends Project Veritas and uh, locked uh, James O'Keefe, uh, the Veritas guy, out of his account out of his account permanently. So the, the crackdown on conservatives continues unabated in the, uh, in the, in the social media sphere. And I really think that legislation is, uh, is, is just critically important. And I'm glad to see South Carolina leading the way on that. Well, who would have ever imagined, you know, uh, we always bragged about the first amendment, the, the right to free speech with some limitations, can't yell fire in the movie theater. Right? Sure. But, but we, we all, that was precious to us, you know, in all of our lives. And all of a sudden now, you know, the federal government is, is restricted, uh, obviously, by the First Amendment. But they're just using big tech to do it. So all of a sudden, they found a workaround. Yeah. Now that they got us all talking on social media, well, they just have big tech take care of business for them. So uh, it's the shadow government. So, I mean, this is this is unthinkable yeah. that this we would ever get to this point. So they've got to take action at the federal level. Don't know if they can do that now because of the of the way Congress is uh, uh, composed. Mm-hmm. So we have to do it at the local level. But I got to tell you, I mean, this is our job. This is unthinkable. I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, a Socialist, a Communist, a John Birch, or you name it. You know, free speech is absolutely a paramount importance. Yeah. And we have got to do everything we can to regain that. And I'm telling you, uh, you know, antitrust, if you have to break those guys up in the, <laughs> the Facebook and the Twitters, who in the hell, sorry, who in the hell put those little people in the back room to decide who to censor? Yeah, exactly. Who gets who gets to decide who gets to decide what truth is? That's the interesting question. And, and oh, it's clearly yeah. it's clearly a stilted algorithm okay. at the moment. So yeah, we're supposed to, we're supposed to, and, and by the way, we we have, we have another uh, uh, we have other bills in the legislature working on on, on the Forum Act, working to uh, have free speech on college campuses, and we, we're trying that again. Mm-hmm. You know, there are uh, a number of bills in this package of, of about twenty bills, things that people I think will like a lot, mm-hmm. uh, like vaccines. Uh, vaccines need to be voluntary. There is some concern that the federal government is going to make this, uh, in the near term, mandatory. You can't, they won't let you travel on an airplane, you know, uh, unless you have can show your travel papers. Mm. How about that? Did we ever think we'd sound like the Soviet Union or China? Let me see your travel papers. Yeah. You can't get on an airplane. You can't get on a bus. You can't, can't ride in a taxi unless you have travel papers and can show your good health. So vaccines need to be voluntary, uh, you know. Uh, so, so do masks. Quite honestly, um, there's there's another we'll give, one. We'll give here. you a ding there. We agree. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's another one about uh, mob action. Mm-hmm. Uh, Representative Burns has 15 sponsors on this bill. That peaceful protests are welcome. Mob violence isn't. This bill makes it a criminal offense to unlawfully obstruct uh, public highways and roads. Uh, it, it really treats the mob action as not sort of like civil disobedience. But, you know, it is it is a more serious uh, issue than that. It also says that if, you know, if you need to brandish your gun to protect your life, well, by God, you can do it. Yep. And, and, and uh, look, mob violence is 
We've seen some of it here in South Carolina. We've seen it in Columbia. We've seen it down in Charleston. Yep. Who would have thought yeah. that, that that would ever happen? Well, uh, Bill, I don't know if there's uh, anything else you want to highlight from the pushback agenda, but if folks want to, uh, for instance, let's just take the example of the Article 5. If, if folks want to advocate or help assure that these legislative uh, items get taken up and, and make their way through the General Assembly, what's the best thing that folks can do to make sure that happens? Oh, call your legislator. Call your representative. Call your senator. Write them. Be polite. And just be respectful. But just they know what the pushback agenda is now. I, you know, It's a little branding on my part. But now you don't have to talk about all the bills. You say, I want those passed in particular, or I want this passed, and I want you to sign on, and I want you to vote for it. And I mean, that's we're all representatives. We're supposed to represent the people. So Amen to that. I, we, yeah. we listen. We listen to folks. Yeah. Uh, I do. It's, it's important. Do you believe so, that emails work, or are hard copy yeah. letters better? Oh no, e- emails are good. But here's the thing. What doesn't work is those form emails when people go on and so they yeah. read an article that says, "Click this button." And then we get the same form email 40 times. Yeah. It, it wasn't important enough for you to actually write me a little paragraph yeah. note uh, sincerely saying, hey, Bill, really want this done, bud. You know, um, form, the form things don't work. I mean, it, after, you, after you get 50 of them, you go, okay, I got yeah. it. <laughs> it was a click, click. Yeah, we call that, we call that AstroTurf. It's just, I don't, yeah. think, it's, I don't think it's very, uh, very convincing. So, well, um, no, I'm and we will. The guy who receives them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one more thing. If yeah. people want to see the actual uh, uh, pushback agenda, mm-hmm. it's on my website. Uh, I put my stuff up there under the news part down on the, on the front page, and it's taylorschouse.com. That's the website, taylorschouse.com. And um, it, it, I keep it right up there, and you can look at the whole pushback agenda and take a look at that. You also can sign up for my newsletters. I have yeah. like 10,000 folks that get my weekly newsletter, so it gets pretty good distribution around yeah. the state, around the country, actually. <laughs> I, was go- I was going to say we will, we will post a link to your website on the show page. And that way, folks can uh, link over. Of course, you can also go directly to your website at, at SC House. What is it, SC Taylor House? Taylor? Yeah, it's Taylor, Taylor SC House. Taylor SC House. And sign up for the for the uh, email updates, which I receive and and get. And you are you are one of the true freedom fighters in the General Assembly. So we we yeah. salute you and thank you for your efforts. And I always enjoy getting your email updates. And I wanted to share one uh, last thing with you. You know, I think the sure. convention, the Article Five convention, is so important because it helps to reassert the role of states in the federal system. And I'm always reminded, and I'm going to send you a link, or I'm going to send you a copy of this bill. But when I was in law school, one of the one of the great professors that I had, who who had a real impact on me, was uh, Professor Bill Quirk. I don't know if you ever met uh, Bill. He's passed, but um, he, I helped him with a little research on a project, and and he and Professor Wilcox, also at the uh, School of Law there in Columbia, wrote an article, and what it's about. The idea is what I call the Quirk Amendment. And the idea there is that we should change Article 5, actually, through an amendment, which would obviously have to go through that process in order to be adopted. But his idea is that the states should be able, without a convention, I mean, there's right now there's two ways to propose a constitutional amendment. It can either happen in Congress or it can happen by the states in convention assembled, according to Article 5. The Quirk Amendment, and that's what I call it, but the Quirk Amendment would be 
a third option, which would say the states can simply propose it. If South Carolina wants to amend the federal constitution, all they have to do is say, hey, we adopted this amendment and and circulate it to the states. And when 38 of the states follow suit or whatever that magic number is, I believe it's 37, if 37 of the states followed suit, once all of that was certified, by the you know the clerk of the house or whoever's responsible for that in D.C., that amendment would be adopted, and and I think that to me and that would, if you want to talk about an amendment that would help restore the role of the states in the federal system, Quirk always told me, and and he told many students at the law school, he said the the the, the weakness of the Constitution, if there is a weakness. Uh, th- there was clearly divine intervention in the establishment of this republic, and, and the Lord was at work when they wrote that document. And, and so it's hard to nitpick it because it, for the most part, has worked out so well. But he said if there was a weakness, it was the fact that the safety valve in the amendment process was, had a little too hard a spring in it. And it's a little, yeah. it's a little too hard mm-hmm. for the states to amend the Constitution. And history has shown that, I think, you know, because it's been that we've got, what, 28 amendments and we've been at this for 250 years, so it's not an easy thing at all to do. And well, and and the first 10 came all together. Yeah, so, you came know, with the package. It's really only eight. Yeah. it's really only 18. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think that is a very interesting idea, and obviously that's not part of the convention project as it now stands. But I'm going to send you a copy of that, and I hope you'll you'll tuck that away somewhere for future reference because I do, I do think that's a very interesting idea. And my my friend Bill Quirk was truly a great American, and I would like nothing more than to see the uh, the states be able to to do that. I think that would really help us fix federalism in this country. So well, that would be one of the considerations by a a, a convention of the states. Yeah, uh, you know. So. Well, Bill, any parting any parting wisdom for our for our guests? Yeah, I think that we just have to all understand we we need to calm down. I'm honestly, I mean, people are, people are very afraid and I get that. I have my gay concerns as well. We need to calm down and go at this and say, look, uh, we get what's going on in Washington. We've got to step up, push back, do it, do it at the state level. State government was supposed to be the most powerful, the closest to the people, the representatives and the senators live in your area. You can catch them in the grocery store, you know, Amen. Um, you, you can't do that with the federal government. That's way up there, and they're hidden. Yep. Well, uh, Bill, I want to thank you, Representative Taylor, for being on the program. By the way, one of our listeners has texted in and said that you sound just like John C. Calhoun. Now, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. I'm not exactly oh. sure how they know what John C. Calhoun sounded like, but that's, I guess, another question. But oh, uh, oh, there goes that statue. They're going to remove it. I can uh, tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should consider a run for president. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah, Governor. Thanks. We'll, uh, we'll talk more about right that. Where I am. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, Representative Pleasure Taylor, thanks. thank you so much for joining us, folks. It's Representative Bill Taylor from the South Carolina House, and this is Saturday Morning Coffee. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Don't leave town. If you're not quick you crazy. I hear that symbol. With the suits up tempo, I'm on a roll. It's time to go solo, rolling. In my Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5.
Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here for a Real Estate Minute with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team with EXP Realty. And we've talked, Greg, on the show about how hot the real estate market is in South Carolina. Is the market still booming? It's not only booming, it still remains hot. Builders trying to catch up to all the demand. We've got only a two-month supply of inventory, so it's a red-hot seller's market for sure. So if folks are interested in selling, what can EXP Realty help them with? You know, at the end of the day, it still matters on where you price your home from a listing side, because if you overprice your property in this market and it sits for more than 30 days, people start wondering what's wrong. So it's still important to know the market and price it correctly. So the expertise matters. And how can folks get in touch with the Greg Sisson team? Directly on my cell at 843-251-2693 and gregsisson.com. Folks, if you are interested in selling in this market, give them a call. It's the Greg Sisson team with EXP Realty. Call them today. The following takes place in an office at One Hour Heating and Air. This is a what? This is an intervention, Richie. This is an intervention? I'm intervening. Um, okay. You have become obsessed, Richie, with offering everyone our 18-seer air conditioners, but for the 14-seer price. Well, the 18-seer units are better. They're quieter than the 14-seer systems, and you get greater efficiency. And yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Our customers' comfort goes way up while their energy bills plummet. But it's the insane low price that concerns me. It seems insane. It's not insane. Everybody loves it. Well, of course. But how long can we keep offering this? Oh, we can keep offering it, buddy. We can? I got a deal on these units that was... Insane? Totally. So this offer is insane. Well, yeah, but I'm not insane. Well, that's what insane people always say. Get a powerful 18-seer AC system now for the insane price of a 14-seer system. Only from One Hour Heating and Air. Find us online at OneHourMagic.com. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. A better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom Save it He's a prison shaking savior If you got chains He's a chain breaker Good morning everybody Welcome back. It's 8.51 on your Saturday morning. Yet another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee coming to a close. And um, it might rain today. Might rain today. Speaking of rain <laughs> today, did you, uh, I'm going to switch gears. I want to thank Bill Taylor for coming on the program. Uh, what a what an informative interview. Somebody texting in, not uh, a name associated. It's another number for us, but uh Great show, a lot of meat on the bone from this texter. It says like uh, Jefferson stated that states should be laboratories of democracy. Yes, absolutely, that is key, and that's one of the things why it's important, I think, for the states to reassert their role in the uh, federal system. Because if states like California or New York, if they want to go left, they can go left, and if states like South Carolina want to preserve freedom want to preserve your independent 
uh, life and ability to make decisions for yourself and for your family and for your business, then we should be able to do that. And if the if the states that want to go a different path, they will inevitably follow um, the, the, the natural implications of all that. They'll go the way of the Soviet Union and everybody else who has chosen to limit freedom and personal responsibility. They will go into decline. Because it is, it should be intuitively obvious to everybody, folks, at this point, that government is not the solution, and it can't make these decisions for you, and government can't live your life for you, and it can't protect, it can't protect you from every little evil in the world, no matter how big it gets. A lot of that is up to you, and that's our view of the world for the most part here in states like South Carolina. And as long as we keep sending people like Bill Taylor to the General Assembly, I think we'll preserve that, and that's a, that's a key. That's a key, and that's what distinguishes us from a lot of the other folks out there. Um, you know, there's a funny thing that uh, we'll switch gears, downshift a little bit, a little less meat on the bone, and uh, wanted to share with you guys a little research I did. Something came to my attention uh, this uh, this week about the movie Groundhog Day. Uh, do you have a bucket list, Glenn? Yes, I've actually crossed a couple things off my bucket what, list. What, what's something that you've crossed off your bucket list? Uh, helicopter ride. Helicopter ride. Now, since I've rid, rode on one, I, uh, helicopter purchase is now on my bucket list because yeah. it's a great way to travel. I, um, I did not realize, but one of the reasons, one of the things that I have on my bucket list is I want to travel. This is not necessarily timely because uh, it's, we're just after the fact, but I want to go to Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. yeah. And celebrate Groundhog Day. Uh, we, uh, you and I both know somebody that has gone to that. We do? Who yes, is that? I, I won't mention that person on the air right now. But right. Um, Well, that's fair. If yep. you want to keep your Puxatoni Phil <laughs> secret. But he said it was a great, uh, a great experience. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's, well, that's on my bucket list. And interestingly enough, in doing some research for such a trip next year or sometime, uh, I, I learned this week that this is a little bit of a downer. Uh, the Watershed movie, the, the famous movie, which has now been preserved by the Library of Congress in part of the National Archives, Groundhog Day, uh, Bill Murray and, yeah. and um, Annie McDowell, okay. Andy McDowell, uh, South Carolinian, by the way, uh, is not actually filmed in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. What? It was filmed in Woodstock, Illinois. Really? Yeah. So if you, if you want to actually go stay at the inn where, uh, where Phil Connors stayed during the movie Groundhog Day, you've actually got to go to uh, Woodstock. It's huh. actually not in Puxatawney. Huh. So it's, um, it's kind of a that, – that'll be different. And as a matter of fact, when the – I learned this this week. When the movie was filmed, the folks in Puxatawney became very angry, and they got into – there was various litigation because they were mad that – that Ramos, the guy that the producer, actually went elsewhere to film the movie. So, and, and and obviously depicted yeah. the actors in a light similar to what yeah. he thought Pexatoni. Was. So little parting wisdom. So that's on my bucket list, folks. Be curious. We'll talk about bucket, li- bucket list items next uh, week. Another uh, another listener on the uh, PCRXcomputers.com text line saying that great show. We need to assert our state's rights. I hope you guys have taken that away from the show today. And I, again, I want to thank Representative Taylor. And as long as we continue to send freedom fighters to the General Assembly, there were some other things I wanted to talk to uh, Bill about, like uh, judicial elections in the General Assembly, a lot of issues. We talked to Representative Tim McGinnis about that last week, so we'll get Bill back on the show. One little bit of parting wisdom that I wanted to share with you guys, this from the pages of the Epoch Times, uh, and I think it's a, a lot of valuable lessons here. This is from Michael Walsh. With discipline and courage, Trump 
can turn defeat into eventual victory. And I know a lot of us are a little discouraged by the results of the November election and, or should I say, the way the results of the November election have been interpreted and implemented. That would be the way I would phrase that. And who we have in the White House as a result. But I want to remind everybody that it's not the end of the world. Uh, This, again, the parting wisdom for today's show from Michael Walsh, as the forces of Donald Trump break ranks ranks and scatter in the wake of Biden's inauguration, all seems lost. The president's strong record of accomplishment, including the roaring economy until it met COVID-19, middle-class tax relief, stabilizing the Middle East, is about to be overturned in an orgy of vengeful Democratic executive orders. And in fact, we have seen that. Meanwhile, conservatives find themselves falsely tarred with both sedition and unceremoniously booted off social media platforms, while Trump and his family may be under investigation for years to come. What looked early last year like a near certain victory in November has turned into a rout with the loss of the White House, the Senate, and the failure to recapture the House of Representatives. But while Trump and his supporters are right to be disheartened by his defeat, perhaps we can take a lesson from history that in many a last stand, the losing side in the battle actually wins the war. And then he goes to talk about the Greeks at Thermopylae. Uh, He talks about the Roman Republic uh, in in the battle between Hannibal and Cannae in 216 B.C., he talks about uh, the Texlans in 1836 and, and the Battle of the Alamo and the sacrifice that they gave to Texas and its quest for independence. He talks about, um, you know, w. William T. Sherman, not real popular in these parts, but he absorbed a horrific beating at Shiloh. But he came back and, uh, and, and ultimately reigned uh, victorious. We need to um, start with a realistic assessment of our um, situation, which we try to give you on this show, but he said, all hope is not lost, and ultimately, uh, we will win the war. Folks, let me leave you with this bit of wisdom from the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Folks, have a great week. We'll be back next week with more Saturday Morning Coffee. There's a better life. There's a better life. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.